very excited to preach tonight. I'm going to preach. I also have a video that I'm going to share tonight. Um, about an eight-minute video testimony that I want to show you tonight of a girl. Her name was Cassidy. I want to show you that video tonight. We'll, so we'll have some fun. You guys ready for some fun? All right. So I believe one of the first things you must do in order to overcome when you're feeling overwhelmed is create the right atmosphere. If you're taking notes, you can, I don't really have points, but I've got, I've got thoughts and I've got scriptures and I've got stuff happening. So you can write down stuff, but oh, look, they got that up there. Create the right atmosphere. You can write that down. I always thought when I was in class, whatever the professor was writing down, I should write down. So maybe write it down. And uh, one of the first things you got to do is create the right atmosphere. I I believe that you do create atmospheres everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. There's an atmosphere in your home, in your office, at the grocery store, when you go into the bank, when you hop on an airplane. There's an atmosphere of tension on an airplane, isn't there? You can sense the tension in the atmosphere in certain places. And there's atmospheres. And there's, you can create an atmosphere in your home based upon the content coming through the TV. Kid shows too loud. Oh, somebody turn that down. I don't like the atmosphere. The news, worship music, King of Queens, Seinfeld. It's going to create some sort of atmosphere in your home. When we worship tonight, there was an atmosphere that filled the room. Now, one of the reasons I love to worship for 30 minutes is because I tend to see that when I, during worship, I will actually forget about my problems. The atmosphere I get into actually begins to cause me to forget about the things that I'm stressed about, worried about, and praying about. Anybody else? Right. How important is it to get in the right atmosphere? 1 Samuel 16, verse 23. It'll go up on the screens, but it says this. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. So it's crystal clear to me even in Scripture. That certain atmospheres drives tormenting spirits away. How amazing is that? Have you ever walked into a building or a room and you could tell there was somebody's angry in here? There's something happening in this place. Ever? I, I remember when I was a young boy, I walked into a grocery store and I could sense the atmosphere was tense, tense. And scared, and there was somebody being arrested for shoplifting. Before I even saw the person being handcuffed on the ground on their belly, I sensed something in the grocery store was weird. The atmosphere was different inside the grocery store. There was a hush about the place. There was a tenseness about the building. There is, there. If you're walked into a home, maybe I remember as a kid knocking on your friend's door and walking in, and you could tell. I think the parents were just fighting. Something was just happening here. The, the, the atmosphere in this house, I, there was, there's tension in here. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so there's atmosphere. Create the right atmosphere. We can create these things. With, with, we create atmospheres with our emotions and our words and our thoughts. We really do. Another thing you must do is connect to the right power supply. And the power supply that you need to be connected to is the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He's your close friend. He's your protector. Wow. That sounds like something I need to get connected to. That sounds like something I need to get close to. That sounds like something I need to get familiar with. Acts 1 verse 8. Listen to what happens when you, re- you, when you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive power. There's a power supply when you connect to the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Look at that. what happens when you receive this power. You get this energy to go across the world. 
Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. How many people have experienced the promptings of the Holy Spirit to go across the world to tell somebody about Jesus? Raise your hand. I thought more would raise their hands. But this power that gives you energy, doesn't it? It gives you a passion. Energy and passion are a little bit different. Energy is the, is the physical ability to, to get up and do something. Okay, right now I, I have the energy to, to run a mile. But the passion I have might be for 26.2 miles, a marathon. I got the energy for a mile, but I got the passion for a marathon. And I could get to the, my energy up to run a marathon if I want to, if my passion is great enough, right? It'll give you these two things. It'll give you a, a, a great big vision and a great big passion to run up to something greater than you ever thought you could ever accomplish in your life. That's the power and the resource of the Holy Spirit. So how do you keep this power supply going? How do you keep your, your energy up? You talk to him and you sing to him. You talk to him, you pray, and you sing. And that gets you plugged into the Holy Spirit, and it gets your energy up, and it gets your passion moving forward. Amen, church? You got to get the right information. That's right. Get the right information. We We don't get our information like other people get information. We don't get our information from the news. We don't get our information from friends. I don't get my information from culture. The Bible tells me to be counterculture. The Bible tell the Bible I love that 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 opening to the chosen TV series where the, the fish are swimming against the 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 the, the pack. What are they? the herd the herd? The school. Yes, it's a school. They're swimming against the, the Jesus fish churned and, and swam and swam against this, this culture, the school that's all moving this way. We're, we're supposed to, we're different from the world. We get our information from different places. We get our information from the Bible. I get my information from the Holy Spirit. The Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit will remind you of my teaching. He's going he's gonna to give you a, a, a drop something in your mind about, about me. When the world is going crazy with their theology and getting woke and, and deconstructing, I say to myself, I get reminded by the Holy Spirit, no. No, it, it sounds kind of good, but it's bad. And I can see, and the Holy Spirit will drop information into my spirit. You cannot get your information from the news and operate under an anointing. I'm sorry, I don't think you can do it. You know, God's ways are backwards from the world. And if you find yourself following the world, you might realize, I don't think I'm following God. I was just recently talking to an old friend. And this old friend had left the church years ago. And he was lamenting to me, why didn't you try to go after me? And I thought to myself, well, I haven't, been at, I, I haven't thought about this in years, so I had to rethink about what was really happening during this time of my life. Why didn't I go after him? What was going on? And I thought to myself, I did try to go after him. I'm remembering. And every strategy I tried didn't work. And I got so frustrated. I said, God, what do you want me to do here? And God told me what to do. And you know what he told me to do? He told me to stop going after him. So that God's ways are different than our ways. And you know what ended up happening? He came back. I didn't go after him. You see, sometimes when we get in tune to what the Lord wants us to do with our life, the world gets angry, but, God, but obeying God produces the fruit that you need. And see, we understand that, that I'm sorry, I, 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 God wouldn't let me go after you anymore. God wasn't going to let me chase you down. I couldn't sit you down and manipulate you to get back in church. I'm smart enough and wise enough and clever enough to use my words to manipulate you to get in church, but that's not going to last. And if I have to text you every Saturday night and remind you to be in church, that's not going to last either. i got to let you go. i got to let you stand on your own two feet. Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom before they realize they even need God. i got to let you go. Sorry. God tends to tell us the opposite of what the world thinks. So where are you getting your information from? 
Judges 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. This is Gideon here. Now we know from this story, Gideon did not think he was a mighty hero. As a matter of fact, at the time he was hiding. He was threshing the wheat. Whatever he was threshing, I'm not sure what the crop was, but he was threshing the, the something. And instead of doing it on the threshing floor on top of the hill where the wind blew, he was doing it down deep in the valley hiding out because he didn't want the enemy to see him. And the angel appears to him and calls him a mighty hero. And the angel's trying to get in the right information into Gideon. You got a lion inside your lungs. <laughs> You are a, a mighty hero. That's why I love worshiping is because it fills me with the right information. Because I, I tell myself all the wrong information all day long. Convince myself it can't be done. I convince myself my prayers aren't working. I can convince myself that I'm not a good enough father or a husband or a friend. And la di da di da And all the while, the, the, I, the Lord will put the right information inside of me. And I can move forward with the right information. I can move forward with confidence. See yourself as God sees you. Amen? You got to get in the right location. You got to get in the right location. There's times when God says to go. You better go. But there's times when God says stay. Well, you better stay. Well, what's God doing? Is he schizophrenic? No. He's getting the right, he's getting you in the right location at the right moment, at the right time, in the right place, at just the right time, at the right moment, in the right place. All of a sudden, you're reaping the harvest. He knows what he's doing. We can change, we can change our minds. We can say, stop. Now go. We don't think we're schizophrenic. But yet we get, and we get, oh, God wants to get us. If he says, go, go. If he says, stay, stay. I think about the cloud by day and the fire by night. That led, it led the Israelites through the wilderness. And sometimes it's stuck, it's stuck in one spot for months. And other times it went. And they followed it. It didn't follow them. They followed it. Amen? First Kings 17, 2 through 9. The Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east, and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook, and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Serapheth near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. It's clear in Scripture that God will tell us at times to go and then stay. Now go here and now stay. And of course, we can read the full story and understand what God is doing. But at the time, you've got to imagine that Elijah is thinking to himself, what's the big picture here? Why am I sitting by the brook being fed by birds? What is going on here? But it's so easy now to understand as we're back away from it for 8,000 years later, we can see God's lining up time, the timing of events perfectly to bless the widow, to, to prove to Elijah that God is a healer, or de a, a raiser of the dead, a provider. You know, he's being obedient and God's lining things up perfectly. Sometimes we get, well, we can get happy feet in our relationship with the Lord and our place in life. And we can go ahead of God. Trust me. We can, God will let us run. It's one of his greatest acts of love toward us is free will. And if we want to run, we can run. If we want to sin, we can sin. We can do whatever we want because our God is not a puppet master making us do things for him because that's not love. He can, he, and we can run and run and run and think that times that we're doing the Lord's will. But you can run to the point where you run yourself to death. And you kill everybody else around you too. So what's the fruit of all that? 
I think you ran too fast. And we can stay too long. We can get scared and we can just stay and we can get, we can get stuck feet and not happy feet. And I believe God's desire is not only to get our actual physical bodies in the right place, but also get our hearts in the right place too. You, can, you can't continue looking back and longing for what used to be and expect to be used by God. God loves to do new things in new places, and we tend to long for the good old days. Or we reimagined the good old days to be better than what they actually were, which is a flaw inside of humanity. They weren't as good as you thought they were. Trust me. You complained every day. You just forgot about it. All right? So, it, it, the, but, re, I, and I love this when you think about revival. It actually happens in places, within walls. Like, the revival happens within places, within walls that, let's just say right now there's a revival happening somewhere in Tennessee. In order for you to experience it, you've got to actually get to the church service in the town, on the street, on the corner of Tennessee. We believe God moves in locations and will get you in locations to do amazing things and to experience amazing things and to get under great teaching and to be refreshed and renewed. And if you're not in the right place at the right time, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And it's not a mystery either. We know how God leads us. He, can lead, he leads us properly and we can, we can follow him. And I like what Elisha did. I like what Elisha did after Elijah put that mantle on him. How did he ensure that he was never going to be able to go back? He burned his source of income and he killed the cow. I mean, it's literally like a person who owns a business literally lights the building on fire and says, there's absolutely no way for me to come back. I do not have a, a, a parachute plan. Uh, you know, I don't have a parachute. To, to, I don't have a safety net. I, I got nothing back here for me. But I have to move forward. That's essentially what Elijah does. And that's like, it'd be like anybody who owns a business and all of a sudden God calls them to go on to the, to the ministry. They literally light their building on fire and that's it. I, got, I can't come back to it. That's crazy, isn't it? There's a story of a man named Ricky Roberts. I've told this story before, but I bet you forgot it. So I'm going to tell it again. But Ricky, Ro- Ricky Roberts was born mentally deficient. When he was young, his parents could tell something was wrong with him, and so they took him to the doctor's. The doctors were able to run some tests and discover that Ricky's IQ was really low. He was not as smart as the kids in his, in his age, in his classroom. When he was 16 years old, he was in third grade, still not able to keep up mentally with the other kids in his classroom. He was also overweight and very big. He couldn't fit into the small chairs and desks as a 16-year-old in a third-grade room. He was teased and mocked constantly. God had big plans for Ricky. God spoke to Ricky and his mother that he was healing Ricky and making him smart, and it happened instantly. All of a sudden, Ricky knew algebra and trigonometry. He could read and write, He had a tremendous thirst for knowledge. He was immediately moved into 10th grade where he excelled. He went on to get seven doctorates in biblical studies. Ricky asked God one day, why me? And God answered him and said, I spoke to another man about his calling and purpose for his life, but he rejected it, so I chose you. Wow. And God has a certain place for us to be. And we're allowed to reject it if we want to. But his will will still get done. Amen, church? You got to get the right focus. Matthew 5, verse 44 says, But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And if you don't think that that takes focus, you ain't never done it. 
You ain't never stood in a room alone, angry at a human being, and prayed a blessing for them if you don't think that takes focus. Come on, somebody. Get the right focus. Life has a way of taking us down, kicking us when we're down. And because of this, we tend to focus on ourselves and not on God anymore. Hmm. Pray for your enemies. Serve the community. Volunteer at church. This is having the proper focus in life. Job 42, verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Get the focus off yourself. Get it on to others. Did you, did you, maybe, maybe you've lost a friend. Well, let's find a new one. Focus on somebody else. That's a, that's a word for somebody tonight. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, church tradition says there was probably about 500 people on that hillside that watched him ascend and listened to him say, wait here for the Holy Spirit. It's better for me to go. Don't worry. I'm sending the comforter, a protector, a friend, and all, and all the other things I said at the beginning of this message. It's better that I go. I'm sending him to you. Wait for him. There's about 500 who heard God, Jesus Christ, as he's ascending in the air, say, wait for him. But how many people were in the upper room? 120. What happened to 380 people? They weren't focused enough to just simply stick around, sit and wait for the Holy Spirit. They had excuses like we all have. I had to go to work. <laughs> I, I had to bury a, a, a relative. I had, to, I had to send somebody, a kid off to college. I, I, I had to work an extra job to make ends meet. I, I, I lost my folk. I don't know what happened to them. They weren't there. Jesus wanted them to be there. He told them to be there. But 380 of them weren't there. I believe that they weren't focused enough to understand the future. The future of what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes on us. What's going to happen with, with the future? They didn't see it. They weren't able to understand it. Their focus wasn't there. Get the right timing. The right timing. When you're in a storm, it feels like it's going to last forever. It does. We always, it always feels like it's going to last forever. But the storm won't last forever. We get impatient with the Lord to act, don't we? Come on, God, fix this. Heal them. Heal me. Ah, God. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Psalm 37, 34. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. Hmm. If a couple is adopting a baby, they should not think it inhumane to wait nine months for their application to get approved. But we act like that with God. This is not right. We got to understand that there's a right time for everything to be fully formed. And all the mothers know what I'm talking about. That there is an incubation, that there is a development, that there is a process happening inside the womb. And a natural mother and a father have to wait nine months for the baby to finally be delivered. And we're not angry at God about that process. We're patient and we're waiting and we understand that something's coming. We don't serve a right now God. We serve a right time God. Figure out what time God is on and get in sync with it. Early America, there was no clocks. The idea of a clock 
and a watch and a time is fairly recent for the world, for America. They realized they had a major problem on their hands when the railroad system was constantly inaccurate. So they decided to strike a clock, but each town and each mayor was given the authority to set the time how they wanted it to be set. And so the whole system was completely off for a very long time. Railroad timing was off. The towns were all different. And they finally realized, we need to get in sync in order to have a better life. That we cannot be waiting for things to arrive or miss the arrival because it came earlier than what our clock said. We got to get in sync, and they finally did that. But we got to get the right timing, don't we, church? I want to I show you a video. It's about an eight-and-a-half-minute video of a girl. Her name is Cassidy. Said it was three weeks old, so it's very recent. And I want to remind you what the title of this message is, Overcoming When You Feel Overwhelmed. And I want to remind you of things I've said, like we tend to blame God for the bad and take credit for the good. And that will lead to a very dysfunctional relationship with God and Jesus, a very dysfunctional relationship with your Heavenly Father. And what this video is going to do is this girl named Cassie is going to share her testimony with you, and it's only three weeks old. And I think it's going to put your heart and your mind in the right perspective, and then I'm going to preach a little bit more. So check out this video. Hey, this girl's story completely blew me away. Hey guys, my name's Cassidy, and I'm here to tell you about my testimony. I was an extreme atheist, an extreme vegan, pansexual, and honestly, just an egotistic, terrible person. I was mean, I actively shamed Christians, just went out of my way to shame anyone who didn't believe in what I believed in. I basically made veganism my god, I went to school for animal rights, I worked for PETA, I did protests, I mean, I did pride parade, I was in a lettuce bikini on Capitol Hill handing out veggie dogs to senators, you know, I was in it. And then my life flipped. So June 2019, um, I had a really bad stomach ache and that lasted for about a week. And I finally went to the ER and they did a CAT scan and they said it's Crohn's disease. My health really began to decline. Doctors were prescribing me medication, pain medicine, anything to just help, but nothing was working. I lost about 60 pounds in three months. I had excruciating pain every second of every day um, to the point I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't lift my legs. Uh, My mom had to help me to the bathroom sometimes. I mean, the worst pain. Every bite of food just hurt me. Even water hurt me sometimes. I mean, it was painful. Every bite I just had anxiety about. And every day I, I didn't know if what day would be my last day. Every day I woke up and I hated being here. I just hated every second of it. I just was wanting to die, wanting to die. I wanted to kill myself. I was either gonna die from this disease or killing myself, either one. And I was fine with it. I mean, I had nothing to live for, I had no hope. And I lost, you know, a lot in my personal life. Um, it's, It's a hard thing to go through. But I was like, mom, like, we gotta go. I'm doing really bad, I don't think I'm gonna make it. And I felt it that this was gonna be my last night on earth. Like, this was it. And I was, I was excited. I was like, no more pain, no more tears, nothing. I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't have any hope. I have no reason to live and nothing. I had the same dietitian every single morning come in. And then there was that one night that I thought it was going to be my last. And this woman comes in and she's this beautiful Jamaican woman. And I've never seen her before. And I've been in and out of the hospital. Like, I, I know these people really well. I've never seen her before. She's asking what I can eat. And I'm like, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden, like, these tears just come coming down my face. She sees me crying and she's like, you know, we need to pray. I'm going to pray with you. And I used every ounce of my energy left to tell her, no, we are not praying. I am an extreme atheist. You will not, no, 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 no. And then she's like, no, we are. And she goes to my side and and at this point I'm like, you know what? Talk your nonsense, whatever. I don't even care. If you want to try, go ahead. So she grabs my hands and she begins to pray and I've never heard like 
she had so much passion for me, but I've, I don't know her. I mean, she doesn't know me at all. She doesn't know what I've been through, nothing. And she had so much passion in that prayer. And I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember her saying, you will heal and you will be a healer. So after she left, I didn't expect anything like from that. I really didn't. So I go to sleep hoping I'm like, I'm going to die tonight. Like I was, I was hype. And I wake up the next day. I have absolutely no pain, no pain. I can walk again. Like I just, something, something sparked in me. I don't know what it was. And my mom was like, what's going on? The doctors were like, no, this, this is like what happened. And I just kept saying, I don't know. I just had this light within me. I have a light within me. And um, I was like, I can leave the hospital. I'm fine. And they're like, no, no, no. So they made me stay another day, which is whatever. It's fine. But uh, so I left and I still didn't believe at this point. I was just kind of like, oh, I'm healthy. I can wild out now. So I did. I started to party more. Um, you know, I was drinking, smoking, having sex, doing anything I could to kind of fill, fill a void. I was talking to different girls at that time and one was a Buddhist. So I had like all these Buddhist tattoos and I was... Um, going in kind of that route. I was like, oh, like enlightenment, Buddhist, da, 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 yoga, and then COVID hit. So I kind of isolated and was really thinking about it more. And I was like, oh, like maybe God is mother earth and it's nature and that's God. And, and then I woke up one day and I just had on my mind, her hands, that woman's hands on me. And I just thought about it more. And I thought, I thought about, it, I'm like, she could have lost her job for praying for me. I could have sued her. I could have destroyed her. She came at a time that wasn't normal, a woman I've never seen before. So they, all right, let's, let's dive into this. Let's find some truth. So I go online. I'm looking all over the hospital's directory, trying to find this woman. There's, I can't find her. I mean, no, like she, she just didn't exist. And I knew in my heart, even before searching, I knew she didn't exist. And I had to put beside my pride, put beside myself. I mean, I had to really just admit that I was wrong. And that was an angel sent from God. It, it had to be divine intervention. There is no physical way that I could have woken up without pain and still be alive. There's no physical way, none. And I had to admit that. I had to admit that there's a God. There's someone who loves me that would save someone like me. I mean, I actively shamed Christians. I actively went against his kingdom. I did everything against it, but he still had hope for me. Like, and I, like I lost all hope. I lost everything. And he still saw something in me. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, he, he does, he loves all of us. If we just open our hearts to him, I mean, what do you got to lose? You have nothing to lose. So just try it. You know, after I've realized that it was an angel that really started my spiritual walk with the Lord, I still, I mean, I still have health issues. Like I have a permanent IV to my heart. Um, I have an elostomy bag, um, but it's saving my life. You know, I've been through these trials and these struggles, but I can tell you all of my might that it is so much better with the Lord by your side. I mean, I was, a, I was a sinner. I mean, I'm still a sinner and he still loves me just the way I am. I didn't deserve his love. I mean, I deserve hell. I really did. You know, I'm just, I really just am so grateful for him. And even with my struggles, I see the influence that my struggles have on people. Even my mom, she wasn't a believer either. And then she saw what, what, what God has done for me. And, you know, she had to put away her ego and be like, you know what? I was wrong. He does. He is real. He's now filled that void, that veganism, my pansexualism, my atheist, anything that I wanted to attach myself to, he's filled that void. He's filled it with his love to the point where I don't need anything else. I pray that you can just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. You know, this is an evil, evil world. There is an enemy, but we have a savior. We have a comforter. We have someone who's by our side constantly. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall receive eternal life. That's it. All you gotta do is believe. This world makes it so, so hard, but it's not. It's easy, it's simple. And these religions, they're trying to fill that void too. If, if any religion that tells you to do something, no. That's what Jesus, Jesus says done, religion says do. 
is done. It's finished. When, when Jesus was on that cross and he died to save us, he said, it is finished. Donezo. It's done. He won. He wins. Guys, I want to ask you guys to please pray for her. Her name is Cassidy Killiger. That's her name on YouTube. Please keep her in your prayers. That really sums up my, not just like everything right there. That, that we are in a world that overwhelms us, but it's better to go through it with God by our side than alone. And sometimes we lose perspective and we unfortunately start to get angry at God, losing sight that he's walking it out with us. And that's how we overcome when we feel overwhelmed. Isn't that an awesome testimony? I just want to end with these few points here. It's, and I want to end with something about, <laughs> do, you, do you know that one person that if you really need to get something done, maybe it's a big job around the house, it's, it's something that needs to get done, you've got that one person you know you're going to call. They have that can-do spirit. They have that overcoming attitude. They're positive about everything. They, they, they've got knowledge on how to fix it. And if they run into a roadblock, they're not dejected and burdened down by it. They, actually, they, they quickly overcome. And they're like, oh, this, I, we can do it this way now instead. Does anybody know that, that super positive person, that can-do person that just can get the job done? You know what I'm talking about? I have a few people in my life like that, thank God. But I want to talk to you about just this idea of positive emotion. That excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. That we need people who have positive emotion. I truly believe this. That when I walk into the doors of church, I want every single person I run into to have positive emotion. I want to uh, encounter people and I want to be a source of positivity in people's lives. That there's power behind this. That it's a source of power for others to say, that's a bit of hope right there. That we can get discouraged with things. And sometimes when you get discouraged with things, you know that one person you need to call that's going to speak positivity into your life. They're not going to fix the problem even, but they're going to speak positivity and they're going to talk positively and they're going to have a can-do spirit and they're going to say, hey, we can, get, we can get that done. Oh, thank God. Right? Nehemiah 8 verse 10. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nothing speaks about somebody who really is in tune and in line and knows God like a person who is going through hell but staying positive. Nothing says that they know God more than that. I have visited people in the hospital. They cheered me up. One of them was Art Miles. I would visit him numerous times on his deathbed in the hospital. He would cheer me up. I would walk into his hospital room and there would be Gaither gospel music playing on the YouTube, on the TV. And he'd be in there just the atmosphere of the room and he would be so excited to see me and Pastor Tim and Minister Rob and Rob would play his guitar and we would just sing songs and he would leave, he would encourage us. It was an unbelievable positive emotion. It's powerful. When I played soccer as a kid, I remember the very first game that went into overtime. It was so, I was so nervous. And during overtime, there's so, you're so nervous that you're actually not playing well and you're, you're, you're making mistakes or you're overrunning things and you're not in the right position. And we ended up ending overtime still tied and it goes to penalty kicks. And I, and I got even more nervous and the coach starts to pick the, the players to do the penalty shots. And he looked right at me and he said, Lucas, we're going we're gonna to have you kick the penalty shot. And I was so nervous, I just said, oh, no, I don't want to do it. 
Because I was scared that if I missed, I would let my teammates down and my friends would, would be mad at me. And so I didn't want that pressure. I didn't want that stress. And so I, I didn't participate in the penalty kicks, but I watched from the sideline and I watched our teammates and I watched some made the goal and some missed the goal. But I noticed how we responded to the players who missed the goal that we were very positive with them. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Come over here. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. And you could see they're stressed like I was stressed. And I put myself on the bench and I watched it all happen. I was so mad at myself that I didn't engage with the experience when I was called upon. And I told myself I never want to feel that way again. That was worse than missing the shot. I put myself on the bench when I was asked to get in the game. I refused, I didn't engage. And I remember the next game that went into overtime. And it, then we still ended up in a time that went to penalty kicks. And I remember the coach choosing the players again for the penalty kicks. And I could see his hesitancy to ask me to go kick. But he gave me another opportunity. He said, Lucas, I want you to go in. I said, I'm going in, coach. Ah, I engaged. I took myself off the bench. I got into the game. I can't remember if I made the shot or not, but I remember being happy. I remember feeling like this is much better than putting myself on the bench, disengaging myself from this experience. And I want to encourage you today that we need to engage out there. We need to get out there. We need to start doing stuff. That, that, that there's ways and there's, there's people, there's ways to share the love of God. And there's people out there who are hurting. They need us to get engaged. They need us to engage them. They need us to say, come over to the house. I'll make some pancakes. We'll have a bonfire. We're going we're gonna to just be with each other. We're going to love on each other. Come on over. We're going to do this. I, and and, and you, people need you to engage with them, to not sit on the sidelines and get out of the game. We need to get in there, right, church? During COVID, you could see that isolation was a real weapon used by the enemy to hurt us, wasn't it? That you could tell, you read scriptures like, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and you're like, I know know that scripture now. Oh, I know that scripture now. But how important is it to, 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 to get in the game, to engage, to build relationships with people? When I was in middle school, when I was in high school even, I didn't have good friends. I didn't have right relationships. The friendships that I chose got me into trouble. They got me, they got me into bad situations, and I participated in these bad situations, and I got into a lot of trouble and all this stuff, and I really learned about how the wrong relationships can take you down the wrong road quickly, but the right relationships can get you going in the right direction. And I remember switching schools and going, going to a different school for a few years and having to make brand new friends. And I had to make friends and I, I chose the correct friends this time around. And I really began to find out what real friendship was all about. And the, the power of friendship and the wonderful community around friendship. And how the right people in your corner can get you moving in the right direction with confidence. It was amazing to see. Proverbs even tells us to be cautious in our friendships. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. says, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Sorry, I didn't read that with the right, you know, flow there. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I think sometimes we can have friends, but they're not very good friends. 
quickly here, I want to let you know that true friendship enables you to trust people. True friendship enables you to develop a wonderful vision for your life. That true friendships enable you to identify needs among yourself and others. That true friendships are a process, not an event. That friendships are more challenging to maintain than to start. And true friendships enable you to have a clear identity. And true friendships enable you to celebrate your differences. And true friendships enable you to stay focused on your goals and not your problems. And true friendships enable you to expect problems and plan ahead for them. Deuteronomy 32 Verse 30 says, one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. You know, this is a mathematical equation. It's called synergy. That in the real world, one horse can pull 2,000 pounds, but two horses can pull 10,000 pounds. It's called synergy. It, it, it multiplies upon itself. And when you get around the right people, you create synergy that you can get more done together. Not twice as much done, but uh, maybe 30 times as much or 60 times as much or even at times 100 times as much done with the right people together. That relationships are incredibly important. You know what else is important when it comes to overcoming when you feel overwhelmed is having true meaning and purpose to your life. Listen to this story. One winter day in Biloxi, Mississippi, a 25-year-old woman decided to kill herself. She couldn't take it anymore and wanted her life to be over. She went to a bridge over the Mississippi River. The water was frigid and the bridge was high. She climbed over the railing and threw herself over. She hit the water with a terrible smack and started sinking. Unbeknownst to her, a man on the bank of the river saw her jump. When he did not see her surface, he jumped in to rescue her. She was sinking deeper. When she heard him dive in, and then she started to hear this poor man flailing around. When he had jumped in, he had forgotten that he didn't know how to swim. This heroic idiot <laughs> was splashing and screaming, help, help. So the woman who was trying to kill herself swam to him and pulled him out onto the bank. He was choking, so she gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And somebody who saw this called 911, and they were both taken to the hospital. Both of them survived. I read about this news article, and the journalist who wrote up the story ended it with these words. That night, it wasn't a man who saved her life. It was purpose that saved her life. Her purpose was to save the drowning man. Instantly, she had a mission, and she had a meaning to her life. Whoa. Whoa. It's very important that you understand that there's purpose and meaning to the breath you have in your lungs. Find a mission for your life. Ask God to tell you what his purpose is with your life. Your mission can be found in two different ways, either in the struggles that you've gone through or in the excited passions that you have. Your mission can be found there. Last thing here I want to end with simply and quickly this. 2 Samuel 23 verse 20. Listen to this weird story in the Bible. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant war from Kibzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. What? What's, wait a second here. What did this crazy guy do? On a, another time, <laughs> on a snowy day, He chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. I'm assuming the lion maybe was roaming the, 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 the tribe, the village, killing chickens and horses and maybe even a person or two, attacking their, their, their livelihood and, 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 and killing people. And this man, Benaiah, he decides that this is a job for him. 
And that the, the, the day he decides to, to take the lion out happens to be a snowy day, which I don't know about you. We, we live in Michigan, and, and you, you just don't go chasing lions in snow. I might slip and fall and lose the upper hand here. And, and apparently as he's chasing the lion down, the lion goes down into a pit. I'd get a bow and arrow from above the pit. He goes into the pit and kills the lion. Well, this guy has quite the accomplishments, doesn't he? Man, what you've conquered is connected to the assignment God has given you to accomplish. Let me say that again. What you have conquered is connected to the assignment God has given you to accomplish. That Jamaican nurse lays her hands on her and says, you will be healed and you will be a healer. I'll read that again. What you have conquered, you've been healed. You've taken down a giant. You've killed that, pit, that lion in a pit. You've, you've conquered health issues. You've conquered, you've, you've conquered self-defeating thoughts. You've conquered, uh, 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 you've gotten over ro- hills and valleys within your marriage. You're, you're, bent, you're back where you, where you need to be. You, you've conquered these things. What you've conquered is connected to the assignment God has given you to accomplish. And it's important to understand that we've got things to accomplish in this life and things to do. And, and, and we got to sometimes do the crazy thing that the world doesn't understand. That, that we're willing to take out the lion on a snowy day in a pit. That situation just kind of gets worse and worse as you read it really quickly there. But, but there's certain things for us to accomplish and for us to do and, and for us to, to conquer in our life. But what we conquer is connected to the assignment God wants us to accomplish. Amen, church? Let me pray for you. Then we're all done. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that we can overcome when we are feeling overwhelmed. And Lord God, I pray right now that all of us would get the simple, simple understanding that this this difficulty that is overcoming us, it is better to go through it with God by our side than alone. Amen, church? Amen. That's a good place to stop. I'll see you next week for part two.